Romans epistle, Paul's epistle to the Roman church, chapter 15. And the Bible said whatsoever things written were written aforetime were written for our learning. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through patience, there's a word no one likes to talk about. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I want to take out of that scripture those four words somewhere there toward the bottom. Comfort of the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today and your goodness. For your loving kindness, it's better than life. For the hope of the gospel, which reached deep into our soul, will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. Jesus' wonderful name. God bless you. You may be seated today. Praise the Lord. Comfort of the scriptures. How many of you know by experience that the contents of the word of God can give comfort to your soul? If you haven't discovered that, then your reading might be in the, in the level of a novice. And I don't mean that as a shot, but I mean it as a challenge for you to grow your time in the Word of God. Because you will find that it brings comfort to your life. Mr. Webster said, comfort is to give strength and hope. Or to receive strength and hope. Comfort means to be strengthened. And your hope renewed. Now everybody here knows that through different seasons of life. Eventually we all need to be comforted in some area of our life. We all need someone to pull up beside us. And offer us strength and hope. So that we can get through the moment. That's called comfort. Praise the Lord. When people are hurting. When people are wounded. When people are worried. Especially when people are afraid. What they need is not judgment, they need comfort. When people are hurting or wounded, they don't need someone to pull up beside them and accent their errors. They need comfort. I'm not talking about feeling sorry for me. And when I'm just having a pity party, I'm talking about when I'm legitimately wounded and I have need of comfort. I'm glad that you understand you can be a conduit through which comfort flows to people that are hurting. All of the things, being hurt, being wounded, being worried, being afraid, they are destructive to my emotional well-being. Would you agree with that? They get my mind off God. They get my mind on my problems. If I'm wounded or hurt or afraid of something, it robs me of any peace at all God's trying to give me in the moment. But I've got news for you. All that hell has planned, all that Satan has put into a strategy, everything that he thought about yesterday to use against you today, God has a greater counter plan already working for your good. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you part of that counter plan. It's the comfort of the scriptures. John 15, 3. The Bible said, Jesus said, you are clean. You are clean through the word. John 17, 17. Sanctify or set apart those because of and through the word of God. Through thy truth, your word is truth. 
And then Psalm 107, 20, he sent his word to heal them and to deliver them from there, there, that's your personal destructions. So did you hear what the scripture just said? Cleansing, sanctification, and healing come through the comfort of the scriptures in our life. And as you read through the word of God, if your heart is even remotely hungry, you will, I guarantee you will feel the liberty that heaven is sending your way if you are hungry at all as you read the scriptures. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, every time I read the Word of God, with any sort of worship in my heart, God speaks to me every single time, somewhere about the needs of my life. Someone said, I don't have time to read the Bible. Then you don't have time to do much else. Because the day is rapidly approaching us. Marriages are being challenged like never before. Sanctity is being challenged like never before. Purity is being challenged like never before. I forget, I think what maybe Sister Maya said Wednesday night, and by the way, if you didn't come to hear Iron Sharpens Iron, it's on the podcast site. It will soon be on the podcast site. Don't text me, text her, all right? But I believe it's Sister Maya that said, it's as simple as turning off some of those negative media resources sometimes. The world is falling. The world is burning up. We know that. And times are going to wax worse and worse. The Bible said that. But there's still comfort to be found in the Word of God. Let's get into some spiritual warfare here about drawing those elements out of the Word of God. Some, some ideas and thoughts at least. They're called personal revelation, but when deliverance occurs in a person's life, things that are bothering you, worrying you, all the elements I've already discussed, things that are plaguing you, keeping you down, not allowing you past a certain point uh, in your own life. Every time you get up, devil knocks you down. Every time you take two, two steps up, devil knocks you back three steps. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's spiritual warfare. That's not because you don't want to do good. I'm talking, about to, I'm talking to people that for the most part want to do right. But the devil sees your intention and he says, I got to stop that. I got to stir up old things in their life, bring up old issues in their life. Because he knows it's worked before, Brother Joe. It worked last week, it last worked, worked last month. And when you're doing a good thing, why quit it? I mean, a good thing, a successful thing. If you've ever, if you've listened to uh, Major League or any kind of baseball game being uh, announced, called, moderated, uh, people will kind of or forecast, prognosticate, the word I was looking for, about what they expect is about to happen. So if John Doe is up in the batter's box and the pitcher throws him two sliders that go off the outside of the plate and miss the strike zone altogether, and if I swing and miss on strike one, and I swing and miss on the same pitch, strike two. Guess what he's going to do again? He's not going to groove one right down the middle just to give me a chance. If it worked on me for strike one and strike two, here comes the slider that's going to curve out of the zone again. He saw me swing and miss twice. The devil does the same thing in our life. 
if it, if it caused me to stumble last month, he's going to try it again today. We've got to be wiser than that today. We've got to know what his tactics are. <laughs> oh, and the word of God can deliver me or you and I from habits or emotional slavery or spiritual strongholds. Seen it, oft, seen it far too often. People come to, come to church and they want to tell me something. I saw something in the Bible the other day I've never seen. What's happening? Little emotional victories are occurring. Little spiritual deliverances are happening. They may have read that a dozen times before, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the comfort of the scriptures became alive to that person. I can't tell you, Brother Dan, the number of times some of these guys get up here and say, you know, I just saw something in the Bible. Woo, I'm shouting victory. And then back, I'm sitting back here thinking, I just preached that three weeks ago. You sat right there and listened to me. Human nature, what do you want me to say? Human nature. I don't care how you get it, as long as eventually the comfort of the Scripture come into our life and elevate our victory. Mark 16, 20, the Bible said that God promised, the Lord promised, he would confirm the word with signs following. That's Mark 16, verse 20. Confirm his word that brings comfort with signs that follow. But here we go. The Bible said, John 10, 10, the thief comes not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and life more abundantly. I sent a text, circle of text out to a bunch of pastor friends of mine today that were always kind of iron, sharpening iron one another. But forever and a day, as long as I can recall, I have preached that the first half of that verse, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, that Jesus was trying to tell us Satan wants to steal our victory, our peace of mind, our comfort, our elements of joy, and that's true enough. But that's not the setting of John 10. If you read the first nine verses, Jesus is warning about things that come in among the sheep. False shepherds, false prophets, voices of disagreement. And he's telling us the reason he does that, the reason he causes confusion in this circle and, and disrupts these people over here, is not because he's trying to get at me. That's the eventual element that will occur if you don't get the victory. But he's trying to disrupt the sheep's peace and comfort of life that they have. Sure, he wants to bring the shepherd down, but he's got to start with people, other people. And the first nine verses, he's talking about all these elements that come in that eventually he hopes kills, steals, and destroys the flock of God. That's why you got to be protective of one another. That's why you've got to be protective of your pastor. And leadership. And people trying to be, make a difference in the, in the world. Because he's trying to cause confusion among the flock. That's what he does. Spiritual warfare. In fact, if you looked at Mark 4.15, it doesn't say he steals the word. He's trying to take that word out of their heart. He's just trying to snatch it out of there before it gets rooted. 
But I've got news for you. God has a counter plan. Not just a counter plan that we can ignore, but a plan that will succeed every time. Every time. Say, well, pray for me, Pastor. The devil's after me. Try being... You fill in the blanks. If you're living for God, I've got scripture for you that the devil is going to try to mess with you. He doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to have peace. He doesn't want you to be comforted. He doesn't want you to be victorious. He doesn't want you to have a prayer life. He, doesn't, he certainly doesn't want you to have faith in God. So what I'm trying to say is if he's messing with you, that's kind of a reason to rejoice. Paul didn't say, for everything give thanks, but in everything. Yeah. In everything. Not only you got the devil's attention, but you've got God's eye on you now. And God has a plan. God has a counter plan. And Paul, in fact, Paul the Apostle said in Romans 8.31, If God be for us, let me talk to people whose marriages are on the rocks. If God be for you. Let me talk to people who've got bad medical reports. If God be for you. Let me talk to people who just received bad news. If God be for you. Oh, but you don't understand my situation, Pastor. If God is for you, who can be against you? He wasn't saying nobody will oppose you. He was saying nobody will overcome you. If God is on your side, all right, Romans 8, 37, Paul said, because we are more than conquerors. I don't know how often I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror. But that's why we have to walk by faith and not by feelings, right? The Bible said it. The Bible said it. I know it good and well. The tactics of the enemy. He's been trying certain things for a long time. But if God be for you. One of my favorite verses that I think everyone in this house should make it a personal tool in your bag. This should be something that everyone, not just the kids, have memorized, but every adult, every mom, dad, son, or daughter, sibling, any way, shape, or form. If you're a breathing human being, you should commit Isaiah 54, 17 to your memory. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. He didn't say they won't be formed against you. He just said the intention of the devil, the strategy, the plan of the enemy... I can't tell you the number of times Sister Herring has looked at me and said, no weapon. No weapon. You keep that in your head, Ron Herring. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You keep that in your head, Joe Allen. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Dave Needham, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. 
The devil's intelligent. He's, he's reactionary. He, he goes off what we do. But no weapon that he forms. Man, that just comforts my heart right there. If you have a prayer partner, if you have a, a living for God partner, whatever. If you have a son that challenges you, a mom that encourages you, you ought to learn to just sharpen each other's iron. No weapon. When she's down and out, tell her, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And you may not be just telling that person. You're telling the devil that too. The word of God said, no weapon formed against you. I wonder why that is. Just because you're a good person? No. Because the Lord knows when he, when he sees the enemy creating a strategy, building a weapon, forming a plan. He doesn't just sit there and go, let's see how this plays out. No, he's working on your behalf to counteract the weapons of the enemy. That's why some of you go, I don't know why I came to prayer meeting tonight, but I just had an urge. I know why. I know why. Because God is counteracting the work of the devil. And I love what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, that the gates of hell... Gates are synonymous with power and authority. He's talking about the powers of evil. The things that hell gets jacked up about. Jesus said, won't prevail. Won't win. Aren't gonna, they're not going to stand on your head with their foot and claim victory. Gates of hell shall not prevail. You ought to get in the habit of telling yourself that. Gates of hell will not prevail. I don't know why I'm not excited anymore about living for God. Gates of hell will not prevail. Gates of hell will not prevail. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm mad at the pastor anymore. Gates of hell will not prevail. God is working on your behalf. And here's a scripture that I take very personal. I take it so personal, so personal. I've quoted in the middle of the night. I've quoted in the middle of, of journeys and problems and troubles and unanswerable quests I'm on. Psalm 118, verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I can't tell you the thousands of times I've, I've quoted that to myself. What am I doing? I mean, I, what, what's the point? Get two steps ahead and get knocked down three steps. And the Lord always quickens my memory, but he's on your side. And I may not understand what's going on right now, but the Lord is on my side. Here's the interesting thing to me, at least, that you might, you might concur, is that Psalm 118, if you look at the heading, especially in the Thompson chain and a couple of the translations that I checked, there's not an author given at the top of the chapter that it's attributed to. If you just read and don't research, you think, well, it's an un, unknown author. But as I'm reading to you something here, it's more often than not by people that study these things attributed to the sweet psalmist of Israel, a.k.a. David. Ezra 3, verse 10 and 11, historians say, all historians say, that Psalm 118 was sung, sang, sung, 
at the founding of the second temple. When they rebuilt the foundation, they got all the priests together. All the men that were able to build stonework and woodwork. They got them all together and they put the priests in their attire. And someone got up front, okay, give me a key of C. And they began to sing, because his mercy endureth forever. Because his mercy. Come on, link the two. They're thinking about what the devil destroyed in their life. And now they're looking at what God is rebuilding in their life. And they say, His mercy endureth forever. Somebody. Ezra 3, verse 10 and 11. And then, in particular, four times as you open Psalm 118. Leave that scripture there, sis, if you wouldn't, that you have. They open with a phrase four times that I just said. And His mercy endures Forever. And you notice in Ezra 3.10, let's go back, that when they sung this, look at those last few words, it was attributed to David. So all that they're dealing with, all of this oppression and depression and problems, they're going back to someone with great faith, bedrock faith in God Almighty. And they're saying, I remember because my father showed me what David used to do in these predicaments. He would just start calling on the mercy of God. Because his mercy endureth. So here's what I'm trying to say to somebody. When you're depressed, he's your hope, Psalm 71.5. When you're weak, Psalm 28, 7, he's your strength. If you're lost, Proverbs 27, or Psalm 27, 1, pardon me, he's your salvation. If you're wandering, don't know where to go, what to do, Psalm 23, 1, he's your shepherd. And the Bible, according to John 10, says the sheep know his voice. And voices that tell you, Pastor doesn't love you. Get out of this church. Go find a better place. That's not your shepherd talking to you. That's spiritual conflict going on. You don't find comfort in those words. You find disruption and division and pain in those words. But the Bible will bring comfort. And when, and when you feel like you don't belong, the Bible said in Psalm 110 verse 1, He's your Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord. And John 20, verse 28, the writer said, he's my God. He's not just my Lord, but he's my God. And Psalm 119, verse 57, in that new international revised version, he's my everything. I just don't know if you'll help me in this area of my life. There's your promise right there. He is my everything. Male, female, young, old, doesn't matter where you're from, what you know, what you don't know. He's my everything today. And so I go full circle back to our text, Romans 15, 4. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. If we read the Bible and don't learn anything, we've missed the point. 
I don't get it, all that Elizabethan language and all that archaic understanding and they murdered and butchered and sacrificed. Read it again. And when you read it again, ask God for insight that goes into your inner man. Ask God to teach you how to apply the depths of the contents. The personal application that you extract from it. You extrapolate out of the truth and apply it to your own life. Ask God to get you to that place in your walk. They were written for our learning that we, through patience, patience means time. I'm not praying for them anymore. I've been praying for 10 years. Patience, maybe 10 years in one day is when God plans to answer that. That we through patience. He's saying we are the one that needs to exercise the patience. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 21? He said, in your patience possess you what? Souls. It's a pretty important matter. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures. Hmm. So what Paul just said is when you exercise patience and add it to the comfort of the scripture, you end up with hope. Hope's what gets you up in the morning, drives you, pushes you, encourages you, fuels you, charges you, makes you want to get back in the saddle and try it again. Hope is what makes you look at someone you've written off in life and say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. Let's, let's go at this again. That's what hope does. Despair says, get out of my life. I don't care if I ever see you again. But hope says, I just didn't understand. Let's try this all over again. That's the comfort we're supposed to get from the scriptures. It's not just preachers that are supposed to come and say, look, check this out what I saw in the Bible. Every time you read as a saint of God, I just, I'm just the type that I believe God wants to show me something that encourages me and comforts my soul. Brother Dave, I believe every time you open the Bible, whether you get a chance to share it with your wife or your friends or your working companions or not, every time you open the Bible, it's God's will. Part of his strategy to counteract the devil's plan is to comfort you every time you open that book. Hallelujah. And someone said, oh, I'm looking for a church that's less word-oriented. But what? You better run from a church like that, let me tell you. <laughs> Comfort of the Scriptures. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy today. Thank you for your loving kindness. It's better than life. Thank you for men and women and sons and daughters and moms and dads. People, God, that are hungry for the strength of the Lord, the comfort of the word, looking for comfort, God, that changes their life, changes their understanding, and changes their opinions and ideas. Only through your promises, God, can that really happen. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing today. Thank you, Lord, for comforting my soul through the promises of your word. I feel peace, God, where I did not have peace. I feel comfort where I did not have comfort. 
I feel relaxation in my soul, God, that I did not have before. Spiritual, spiritually charged relaxation. I give you the glory, God. I give you the praise, Lord. I give you the honor, Lord. I thank you for all you're doing. Anybody want to come and talk to the Lord this morning? Anybody want to come and pray today? You're welcomed up here.